you were probably just like me. They didn't have graduation in kindergarten. They're like, just go. <laughs> Get on out of here. Go to your first grade class now. Nowadays, they have graduation. That's wonderful. I, that's great. We, we love that. I graduated from A.L. Marshall Kindergarten in Joliet, Illinois, in case you were wondering where they still paddled you in uh, 1980. But that's not my sermon today, so we'll, we'll move on. Thank you for joining us online. If you would like to connect with us, get to know, to know about Calvary Church, you can hit the Connect button there, here in the building. If you're looking for a church family, there's a Connect card that you can pull out and fill out. And we have giving boxes that you can put in uh, your Connect card out there. Uh, your giving can be done online as well. It's just hitting the Giving button. And giving here, you can use an envelope. And again, you can use those giving boxes to place your giving. And thank you for your faithfulness. To, to God. Remember, you, you give to God. You don't give to a church. You don't give to people. You give to God. And that's a faithful. God receives that and He multiplies it. And it's our faith. Our faith is expressed and our commitment to the Lord is expressed through our giving. And God uses that uh, for us. Uh, just a, a quick re- reminder we had a great Bible quiz uh, Wednesday. Last Wednesday it was a wonderful time. And looking forward, uh, not uh, on the fourth Wednesday, which will be coming up, not this Wednesday, but the next Wednesday. But the verses that we'll be uh, doing scripture memory from and the chapters we'll be studying are out there on the little table, the little black table out there. So if you want to grab those. And then afterwards, we are we do have some treats honoring our graduates. So we want to uh, give our families time before we cut that cake. Maybe they want to take a picture with the cake with their child's name on it. So we'll, but we'll have some treats out there. For each of you to celebrate what they have accomplished. Well, we've been looking, uh, started this new series called Transform. We've been looking at the life of Paul, who was the author of Romans. Now we're going to look at today the recipients of that letter, who are the Romans. And uh, so today's message is entitled From Sin City to the Holy City. From Sin City to the Holy City. Romans chapter 1, verse 7, Paul says, I am writing to all of you in Rome who are loved by God and are called to be His own holy people. My God, may God, our Father, and the Lord Jesus Christ give you grace and peace. Let me say first that I thank my God through Jesus Christ for all of you because your faith in Him is being talked about all over the world. Father, I pray by your Holy Spirit that the same word that began to transform the lives of these Romans that took their faith and that news was spread around the world, God, that same word that would touch our hearts and touch our lives so, God, we can have a worldwide impact. Lord, I just ask you by the power of your Holy Spirit that you would speak to us, that you would change us, that you would help us I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. What, a, what a powerful statement that Paul made about the Romans. Your faith is being declared around the world. And you know this. They didn't have phones. They didn't have the internet. They didn't have social media. They had just basic information, papyrus and writing utensils that would translate information or word of mouth. But it was so powerful, the, the faith that was being expressed through these individuals, that it was going around the world. That is the power of God in our lives today. That's how God works. He does 
miraculous activity. He works in us. He, he is the same God, and I'm grateful that He's working in our lives. This morning, as I, as I look at Romans, I, I want us to look just at that title, Romans. And I can tell you as a kid who grew up in the church, that title was just another title of, the, of a book in the New Testament. It didn't wow me, it didn't encourage me, it didn't interest me at all. It was just Romans. I mean, you had Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, Acts, Romans, 1st and 2nd Corinthians, Galatians, Ephesians, Philippians, Colossians, 1st and 2nd Thessalonians, 1st and 2nd Timothy, Hebrews, James. Okay, you know, you know the song. You know I'm always going to take opportunity to sing, right? I'm always going to take opportunity. I mean, it was just another title in, along the list of the New Testament books of the Bible, Romans. But today I want, I want to just look at this because there's something here that should amaze you. When I say turn to the book of Romans, you should be in awe. Wow, there's a book in the Bible called Romans. How did that happen? I mean, let me explain this. It's like this. Tomorrow, Alexandra has taken me on a Father's Day adventure, and she has taken me to a Cub game for Father's Day. But, you know, that's like if I show up there tomorrow, and all of a sudden I see, as I'm walking there to watch the Cubs, I see the sign that says, Guaranteed Rape Shield. Like, wait, wait, what? That doesn't make sense. Or maybe today your kids are like, Dad, I, I, I want a Happy Meal today. And you head to the Golden Arches because that's where they have them. And right underneath the Golden Arches it says, Burger King. Wait, wait a minute. How in the world did your arch rival get on top of your building? That name, how did that name get there? That's what's happening here because who were the Romans? The Romans were citizens of Rome. Rome was the all-powerful, mighty nation that was ruling the world during this time period. They were all-powerful. They were conquering nations. They worshipped themselves. They worshipped their achievements. So when Jesus Christ came proclaiming the gospel, the good news that you can be forgiven, the good news that you can love and you can serve, and that you can be kind and peaceful and peacemakers, they said, we've got to get rid of this message. We've conquered these other nations. We're going to conquer this message. And they, they began, and, and that's how the, the religious leaders of that day kind of cornered the, the Romans into saying, you need to crucify Jesus. He's making himself out to be a god, and we serve nobody else but Caesar. And, and so they crucified Christ. And after crucifying Christ, they began to continue that attitude. And they continued that activity to crucify and to martyr and to kill and to squelch the message of Jesus. They didn't want anything to do with this message of hope. You're talking about turning the other cheek. I don't want anything to do about turning the other cheek. You want to store up treasure in heaven and not on earth? We need to get rid of that message. We want no part of that message. And so they began to get the, the, do their very best. The history, to, to get rid of that message, history tells us they so tried getting rid of this message that they would take Christians. They would bring them into their Colosseum. Before the mighty crowds and the, all these individuals, they fed them to the lions. They fed Christians to the lions. They would take believers in Christ, the believers in this message of hope, the believers that believe that you can be forgiven by God, the believers of those that believe in the one true God, 
who created the heavens and the earth, they took those believers and used them as human torches along the streets of Rome. They were doing everything in their power because they despised believers in Christ. They were the direct opposite of Christians. Basically, what the Romans said, they said, whatever Jesus said, we're going to live the direct opposite. So you should be amazed. How did this happen? How do we have a book in our Bible called Romans? That shouldn't be. That shouldn't happen. This They were trying to get rid of Christianity, and now we have the title in the New Testament of the book called Romans. Rome was trying to shut down Christianity. But in turn, Rome became a capital of the message of Jesus Christ. I want to look at this transformation because there's no way Christianity should have survived in Rome. There's no way that there should be believers in Rome. There's no way Paul should have taken time to write a letter to a large group of believers. And we know through history what begins to take place in Rome. But let's look at this. Verse 21 of Romans chapter 1. Paul is talking and he's talking about the Romans. And he says, yes, they knew God. But they didn't worship Him as God or even give Him thanks. And they began to think up foolish ideas of what God was like. As a result, their minds became dark and confused. Claiming to be wise, they instead became utter fools. And instead of worshiping the glorious, ever-living God, they worshiped idols made to look like mere people and birds and animals and reptiles. Sound like the Romans are on the path to receiving Christ? Does it look like they're going to be proclaiming the message? Does it look like they're going to be set up to be a catalyst to the message of Jesus? No way. They're, they're, they're going the opposite direction. They're nowhere close to following Christ. They are trying to suppress the truth, trying to get rid of any signs of Jesus. Rome doesn't want anything to do with Jesus or his followers. They definitely don't want his message at all. But something began to happen. Something took place. Jesus, one step that took place, one step in that direction was that Jesus took a Roman citizen, as we've talked about these past couple of weeks, he he took a Roman citizen named Saul and he transformed Saul and made him Paul. He transformed one man and began to change his life and began to reveal truth to to this man who now we call Paul. And Paul had great information about the Romans because he was a Roman citizen. He understood them. He knew where they were coming from. He knew their thought process. He was able to declare that they knew God. So interesting that Paul makes that declaration. God had given him that realization, but I, I want you to hear that today because that's something that's so important to acknowledge today. People know God. People know Him. The Romans knew God. And here in America, there is no doubt that people know God. And around the world, people know God. I want to go back to verse 20 because if you're doubting this idea that people know God, I want to read to you to give you insight from Paul that in verse 20, this is what Paul said. He said, For ever since the world was created, people have seen the earth and sky. Through everything God made, they can clearly see His invisible qualities, His eternal power, and divine nature. 
so they have no excuse for not knowing God. I don't know if that scripture verse has ever crossed your mind or if you've read it and just kept going on and not thought about that, have not pondered it, have not meditated on that verse, have not taken that verse to heart, but I'm taking that verse to heart this morning and I pray you'll take it to heart with me. That there are people who have no excuse for not knowing God. Now think about this. When you go back to the creation story, what was taking place? What was happening? God was creating. How was God creating? How did God create our universe? The common phrase that you'll see in Genesis chapter 1 and in Genesis chapter 2, you'll see the phrase, then God said. God spoke. Then God said, let there be light, and there was light. God spoke, and there was the sun and the moon. God spoke, and there was fish in the sea. God spoke, and animals animals began to run across the fields that he had created. God spoke, and there was life on earth. The earth was void and without form, but then God spoke, and there was light, and there was hope, and and there was life all around us. God's voice is all powerful. His voice speaks and it does not fade. Our voice, it will speak. I need a microphone so that you can hear my voice. But God does not need any microphone. You see, God speaks and His voice carries throughout the generations. When God speaks, it cannot be silenced. God's voice is all powerful. It is His voice that parted the Red Sea. It is His voice that calmed the the, uh, raging lake uh, that was being against the boat that Jesus and his disciples were in. It was the voice of God that took dead Lazarus out of the grave and brought him to life again. It is his voice that will call all of us home. It's the voice of the Lord that's all-powerful and all-knowing. It's the voice of God. The voice of the Lord has been recorded in the Bible. And for thousands of years, His voice is getting louder and louder. It's not decreasing. No, no, it's only increasing. The voice of God is being heard. God is speaking through His creation. And God is speaking through me. And God speaks through you. God is speaking all the time. Everywhere you go, God is speaking. God is speaking to our hearts. He's speaking to our lives. He's speaking to you today. Even the psalmist declared, the psalmist declared that you can go to the highest mountain peak and God would be there. His voice is there. You could go to the lowest valley and still you couldn't run from God because He would still be there. You can find the darkest cave and yet the light of Jesus would still be there. You can try to go to the moon and even... Even uh, you know, pursue going to Mars, and yet you get there, and God would still be there because His voice has spoken all. They've spoken everything that you see, everything that you behold. God has made. I lived in Utah for 21 years, and I enjoy going up into the mountains. I love it so much, and I, I love there's a program that this church has begun that God's using Jim Morris, the uh, KOZ. Kids outside zone, and we had a, a, a ministry that I had started called Mentoring in the Mountains. And I love mentoring. I love that God spoken to Jim and Van Walsh, and that they're doing this mentoring with our boys. We need that. We need to mentor our boys. We need to love them. We need to encourage them, not just bring them to church, but we need to show them. We need to share our life with them. They need to hear our life. But we had this program called Mentoring in the Mountains, and we'd go up in the mountains. I used to love just seeing the bright 
the bright, dark sky because it was bright because of all the stars that you could see out of cloud in the sky. You could hear the wind rushing through the pine trees. You can hear the water rushing over the rocks. You can hear the music of heaven. You could hear the voice of the Lord. I could hear him speaking. He was all around me. He was there. I could hear him speaking because he spoke those things into existence. And the voice of the Lord is still here today. And he's still speaking. His voice was, is still being heard today. And I want to tell you that it's so important that we are to understand we are surrounded by his glory. And the word of God says people are, have no excuse for not knowing him because his voice is all around. His voice is speaking to us. Well, of course, the obvious observation here is that uh, not everybody is listening, right? Not everybody is listening. That's the obvious observation. Uh, the other a couple weeks ago, we were uh, I was with my family, and we were talking about some old stories, and one of the stories that came up was my sister sneaking out of the house to go to a party with her parents. Now, my parents spoke to all of us about their rules. And we had that very foundational rule that you do not sneak out of the house. They also, they also spoke to us about the punishment that would come for breaking their rules. We all heard it. I heard it. My sister heard it. But it didn't matter. She still went out and did what she wanted to do. She still broke the rules. She still wanted to do something that was pleasing to her. And so she went out there. I'm telling you, God is speaking. And I know not everybody is listening but I know this, that in these last days, the voice of the Lord is getting louder and it's getting louder. People have no excuse for not knowing God. We have to accept this reality today. We have to accept this truth today. We need to take it to heart today. We need to receive this truth. We need to walk around knowing that we, when we see people, they don't have an excuse. Nobody's going to be able to stand before God and say, God, sorry, I acted evil. Sorry, I was sinful. I didn't know any other way. Nobody will have an excuse. So if people don't have excuses, we better do our job. We better share the truth of Jesus Christ. We better share the love of God with people. And when God speaks to us, we better be ready and willing to share truth with people, to share hope with them, to share life with them. Even if you're just walking by somebody and you're praying over them. I was doing that yesterday at the old Canal Days parade. I was walking by people and I said, God, I just pray for that person right now because you can see them broken. And I just patiently waited, Lord, if you want me to say something, I'll say something. We need to be ready. We need to be willing. We have to understand wherever you're at, God can use you. Whatever you're doing, whatever you've done, you can turn to the Lord and God can use you. We need to be ready because people have no excuses. And I want to tell you today that that's why missions is so important. We talk about it specifically the first Sunday of the month, but, you know, we, I just wanted to talk about it again and remind you the importance of missions because God calls some people, and I love, so we are a part of the Ascendants of God. It's not a denomination. It's a cooperative fellowship. That's why you voted me in as, as your pastor. You did. No other leader came from another church to do that. You did that. 
We are a cooperative fellowship, but as a cooperative fellowship, we hold credentials as ministers. And there's certain ministers that we call missionaries, and they serve full-time. They go around the world, but we raise the support for them to do that. We empower them, and we tell them, you know what? You go, and you go spread the gospel, and you don't worry about anything. We'll support you. We'll take care of you. We'll bless you. And I love the Ascendancy of God because there is great accountability with our missions program. They have leaders over them. They're not just sitting around the world on vacation. They are spreading the gospel of Jesus Christ. Now, God has called them to go. And if he has not called us, and if we're still here, then we must ask the question, what can I do? What must I do? And I, first of all, I want to tell you, all of us need to be ready to go. All of us should be willing to go. That's not something just for a pastor, but that should be for all of us. Because what would you say if God said, I want you to leave everything, because I've heard the stories, I've met the people who were sitting in a church just like you, and God called them to go, and they went. They quit their job. I know bank executives that left their job to go plant churches in much-needed areas in our world. I know people who were successful in life, but God said, you must go. You just have to be willing. But so right now, we know that God has left us here. So if he's left us here, then we at least need to say, okay, God, what must I do? I pray all of us would support missions. I pray all of us would be givers of missions. I've done that since I've been a child. I've given God 10% of my income, and on top of that, I've given missionaries. I used to make $12 a week. My mom could tell you I gave a dollar twenty to the church, to God through the church, and I gave eighty cents to missions. And ever since then, I've, I've given to missions more and more and more because I believe as long as God leaves me here, that I've got to keep giving. I got to do my part in giving. We need to support missions by giving, but we also need to support missions by praying. In our church email, you'll see a prayer request for our missionaries. I hope that you're taking that and you're praying for our missionaries. We need to pray for people around the world because there's people around the world that have never heard the name Jesus. Now, they know God. They won't have an excuse not knowing God, but they need to know that Jesus can save them so that they can come into the presence of God, into the forgiveness of God. We need to support missions. Paul wanted to go to Rome, not because Rome, the Romans were going to like the message of Jesus. Paul wanted to go to Rome because he knew the Romans had no excuse. He knew that they were going to die and they were going to face judgment because they were sinning against God. They had taken the message of God and they had twisted it and they had traded it and they had suppressed it. They were evil. They were living evil lives. There was no signs of God in them. And so Paul knew he needed to share the good news with them. He needed to go there. He knew what was going to happen. Here, I mean, he knew because he was a part of that crowd that were martyring Christians. He was a part of that crowd. He understood what these Romans were thinking and what these Romans were capable of doing and what they've done and what they would do to him. But none of that mattered to him because he needed to go to them because he loved them and he was passionate about sharing the truth with them. He needed to send them the hope that he had received Freely he had received, now freely he was going to give it to them. And if it meant that his life would be taken, then so be it. He had that passion inside of him. 
And if God leads you here, I pray you carry that same passion in your neighborhood. I pray you carry that same passion when you go to work. I pray you carry that same passion when you go to a restaurant today. Carry that same passion when you're in the na- and when you're at uh, the store today. And when you carry that same passion, guess what? You won't have time to be frustrated. You won't have time to worry. You won't have time to doubt. You won't have time to get upset. You won't have time to get frustrated in life because you're passionate about those people who are lost and you're, who are broken and you carry the message of Jesus Oh, God, help us today. Help us to carry that same passion. And so Paul wanted to go to Rome to share the truth of Jesus Christ. Now, Rome was in a bad place. Now, on paper, it really was looking good, but spiritually they were bad. Rome had followed the same, the same pattern that man had, had developed for, since the beginning of time. And that was this. Man became ambitious. Through that ambition, they went to conquer. A man would begin to conquer, and they began to conquer, and they became powerful, and they acquired wealth, and they acquired power, and they acquired land, and they acquired things. And while they began to do that, then they began to remove every sign of God from their culture until they became gods themselves. Does this sound familiar? Does this sound like our history? Where we've come to America, we grew ambitious. We wanted to leave our lands and come here to make a better life. And we did that. And we started acquiring wealth. And we started acquiring power. And we started acquiring property. And we were getting bigger. And we were getting stronger. And we were getting smarter. And we were doing things that nothing, things that had never been done before. We're creating these things. And we began to worship ourselves. And we began to remove all signs of God. And we became God's ourselves. And Rome was that place. And Rome during this time was just a few hundred years away from their ultimate collapse. This mighty empire that had touched the world. If you would have told them you were going to fall, they would have laughed in your face. And their time was coming. It was getting dark there. We see this in verse 21 again. We read it to you. It says, they began to think of foolish ideas of what God was like. You know, and and the Romans were just like the Greeks. The the, the Greeks, uh, they had Zeus. And the Romans, they came up with Jupiter. And the Greeks, they had Poseidon. So the the Romans, they came came up with Neptune. And and the Greeks, they had Aphrodite. And so the Romans, they came up with Venus. And so they, they were just the same. It's the same story being written over and over again, again and again. And yet we still do not learn what happens when you begin to twist the message of God, when you begin to take your own ideas and you make yourself out to be God, and you take your ideas and you put them above God's ideas. We see it time and time again. And the reality and the result of all of those things is destruction. That's that, and it's not, it's brought up upon by our behavior. And we, we live in this country, so we better take notice. And so what was happening in Rome is that it was getting really dark. It was getting really dark there in Rome, despite all of the wealth, despite all of the power, and all of the gold, and all of the silver, and all the magnificent structures, and all, the great army, and 
and the strategic army that they had and the powerful generals that they had, all that they had, and yet it was getting dark there and it was getting confusing. It was only a matter of time before their great fall would come. So while everything around them was getting dark and people were starting to get, they were, they were becoming confused and they were running into each other and they were like, wait a minute, we should be happy, but they weren't happy. They were climbing the mountain and they were getting to the top, but they felt more alone. They were achieving gold and they were acquiring gold and great wealth and, and they were, you know, living the party life and doing everything that they wanted to do and yet they were empty inside. Life was still pointless. They were still hopeless. They were finding out what Solomon found out in the book of Ecclesiastes, that everything on this earth is meaningless. It's pointless. Without God, there is no meaning behind money. Without God, there's no meaning behind structure. There's no meaning without God. And we see that. We're seeing the darkness that's coming about. They should have been happy, but they were not happy. They should have been satisfied, but they were frustrated. It was getting dark in Rome. But while it was getting dark in Rome, while it was while the lights were going out in Rome, and little did they know that because they thought they were living a party. They thought they were going, they were, you know, anticipating the next party and the next celebration and the next structure and the next accomplishment and the greater the army was going to get. That's what they were thinking, but it was getting dark there. The lights were going out there. There was getting more confusion there. But while that was happening, there was a light beginning to turn on. The light of the gospel began to turn on through the lives of individuals. And Paul said in Romans chapter 1, verse 16, he says, For I am not ashamed of, the, of this good news about Christ, for it is the power of God at work saving everyone who believes. Jew first and also the Gentile. So what was happening? How in the world do we have a book in the Bible called Romans? How was Rome once a sin city that had become a holy city, a place where the message of Christ is being proclaimed? How does that happen? What was happening is the gospel. It is the power of God at work. It is the work of the Lord in the lives of individuals, in the lives of my heart and your heart, that God touches and He transforms us. It's God working in us. The gospel, and this is what was happening in Rome. This is what was taking place. I, I, they were trying to suppress the truth, and I like that that word that Paul used of suppressing the truth. That they were trying to push it down. They were trying to get rid of it. They were trying to bury it. And every time they began to push the gospel down, every time that they were pushing it, it was kind of like taking a bullet and pushing it into a chamber. And every time they pushed it in there, and every time they messed with the gospel, every time they messed with the believer, and every time they were pushing it in it, it was only a matter of time before the gospel fired out, and it went out like a great light, and it began to touch more lives. And so this is what happens when the enemy begins to push us, when he begins to mess with us, when he begins to come and try to fight against us. He only pushes us into his presence. He only pushes us into his truth. He only pushes us further out there to spread truth, to spread the light, so so that his message is declared. And I thank the Lord and that he can take us in our life. My wife shared it with us, with you today, how God pushes us around and you get the doctor's report and you feel that push against you. But oh no, you don't understand what you're doing. You're just causing this message to go out. You're just causing me to pray more. You're just causing me to praise more. You're just causing me to worship the Lord more. You're just, wreck you're just helping me to understand I need God more today than I've ever needed him before. That he needs me. I need him. I need to be in his presence today. And every time they would martyr a believer in Rome, the power 
every time they would laugh at them as they put them on torches in the streets, they didn't understand that that light was being shined, it was being magnified, and it was going around the world. Did you hear about the faith of that, those Romans? They keep serving. The message keeps growing. They're, they're being eaten by lions. They're being human torches. But there's a faith that's rising up. There's an army that's rising up. There's something that's happening. Oh, the faith of their faith was going around the world. That is the power of God. That's the power of the gospel today. And this is what I understand, that when life gets dark and when the world starts getting dark, that's the time where light shines its brightest. It is our time to shine bright for the Lord. It's our time to shine bright for Him. If you're going through a struggle, if you're going through a trial, it's your time to shine for Jesus Christ. I'm ready to shine for Him. I'm ready to declare His goodness and mercy. I'm ready, I'm ready, I'm ready, I'm ready. I want to see it done. I want to see you shine. I want to see you given life and hope and peace to the village of Israel. I invite the worship team to come back we allow God to just speak some more. As we allow God to speak to our hearts and our lives today. This world is getting dark. It's getting dark. And it's possible to not, to not acknowledge that. Oh, yeah, sure, absolutely. It's possible to think that, oh, yeah, it's not that bad. Six dollars gas. No baby formula. Wars around the world, vaccination after vaccination. You know, again, I'm not. I'm just giving you facts. I'm not making. <laughs> yeah, I'm just telling you what's going on. You see it. You know it. It's getting dark out there. Guns, violence, hatred. Teenagers, our children, fear, doubt, hopelessness, restlessness, and it's all because. We keep getting rid of God. You and I are going to bring Him back. You and I are going to shine. We're going to love. We're going to serve. We're going to worship Him today. Would you stand this morning? We're going to worship our Lord. We're going to praise His name. We're going to recognize that He's speaking to us. Oh, Lord, we receive Your Word today. Speak to us. Speak to our hearts, oh God. And may the faith of each one here be heard around the world. May the impossible be done, oh God. We should not have a book in the Bible called Romans, but we do. Because your power was at work. Your message, your message was being proclaimed. It was changing lives, Lord. May you begin today by changing us in your presence. Come, Holy Spirit, in the name of Jesus.